You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Shaver, joined by Michael Brunt here on Tuesday morning. Nebraska still victorious. Nothing has changed. I know that would be the newest, latest, greatest way for you to be disappointed as a fan. But several days later, the win still counts. Nebraska's two and three. They play on Friday in Rutgers. Michael Brunt will be at that game. What is your enthusiasm level for a Friday kickoff? In Rutgers, the only other Friday kickoff that I can remember is an Illinois game um, where Nebraska won. It was Mike Riley. Did did Scott Frost ever have a Friday kickoff? Am I am I forgetting one? I guess Rutgers the last time they played was on a weekday during during Champions Week. Yeah, mean? champ. They need to bring that back. That's a that's a. A uh, hotly contested belief that I have that you probably don't agree with, but I like the idea of everybody playing and all of like the Big Ten teams crossing over, and especially love the idea if it's completely meaningless for two teams that they get together and they're not going to go to a bowl game and they play this thirteenth game and you get Indiana to take on Northwestern. I don't, I don't see who loses in that scenario. Yeah, well, Nebraska unfortunately hasn't hung a banner for that. I mean, I, I feel like that would have been probably banner a while. Really? Yeah, I think, I think you could hang a banner for that. What did they finish that year? That, that was like the six-seven matchup. Yeah, that was three and five Nebraska versus three and. Well, I mean, no, because Nebraska only had two wins, so that was two and two and five Nebraska versus two and. Five Rutgers or something. Yeah, yeah. It well, like half the games that week didn't even get played. Like yeah, they just got no. canceled. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's. It's <laughs> hopefully everything is a little bit better this time around. the The 2015 trip wasn't terrible. It was a pretty forgettable game, but um, I don't know. It we'll get into it, I guess. But it, it seems like. That, that there's a lot riding on this game for Greg Schiano and Rutgers based on what I've been reading out of uh, Springsteen land. Yeah. I, for our, our YouTube viewers and our video viewers, I, I would like to acknowledge that you and I are wearing the same. I know. Color. I was going to, I was going to bring it up. We look like we're, we're at yep. like a meeting, like a morning meeting at like office Depot or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, a, yeah. oh, 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 it's the other side right there. Yeah. Now, see that's a, yep. uh, that's the polo that I'm wearing. You can see the polo that Brunts is wearing. All right, that's acknowledged. We don't have to discuss it again. Okay. So Nebraska defeats Indiana. We've heard from Mickey Joseph twice, obviously, right after the game, and then Monday press conference. What's kind of the tone that you picked up following a win for Nebraska? 
relief. Is that fair? I think, I think uh, that's fair. When, when you go almost a calendar year without a conference win, I think relief is probably one emotion that you go to first. Um, I think this was a program that badly needed a win based upon what's happened the last few weeks. And I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's not the worst thing in the world if guys are walking around with a little little confidence. Yeah. I mean, you've, you had a lot of changeover, and especially on defense. And I mean – there's a lot of caveats that we're going to throw in there. I mean, Indiana was up without their top two wide receivers. They wanted to throw the ball everywhere. And you know, Nebraska really played pretty well defensively, um, you know, in, in spite of everything. And that's a credit to Bill Bush. I mean, I, I think simplifying things and just basically saying we're going to we're just going to get lined up like that's that was the approach. And I think, you know, when you simplify things, you allow guys to play a little bit more freely. Uh, and I, I think you saw examples of that with, you know, Ty Robinson, I thought played probably one of his better games as a Nebraska player. I, it's got to be his best game as a yeah. Nebraska. Like I can't think of another game where I noticed Ty Robinson more in a good way yeah. than on Saturday against Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think he had a great Luke Reimer played his best game of the season. He'd really been, I think it's fair to say struggling um, to, to oh, this yeah. point. Um, and Derek and so, Nelson. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, I think a lot of that is a credit to, you know, the, the changes that they made and kind of challenging guys and veterans to step up a little bit. Do you – so yesterday I read about this in the morning mash. I I definitely think that, that some of it is just being free and, and being, you know, simplified where just go forward, go get the guy with the ball. Also, some of it is just these guys are talented enough that we expected them to play – these types of games before Saturday, a part of it to me is just guys are, are playing more at the level of the expectation you have for them. I mean, if, if Luke Reimer plays like a guy that was voted as the best player on Nebraska's team, as he was by multiple media members that I asked this off season, that certainly can change how your defense looks. If Garrett Nelson is applying pressure with both hurries and sacks, that can change how your defense looks. If Ty Robinson is forcing multiple offensive linemen to commit to him, that could change how your defense looks. And if, if you get those performances, plus a little bit more from O'Shawn Mathis, a little bit more from Quentin Newsom, and some consistency at safety, I, I mean, I'm not saying Nebraska's going to be playing like it's the second half against Michigan State last year for the rest of the season, but I, I do think that there's some sort of level that they can get to consistently that's significantly better than what we saw against Georgia Southern and Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, it, there's a wide runway between second half Michigan state and whatever we saw the first four games of the season. <laughs> like, there, How dare you accuse me of, of just, you know, trying to pigeonhole those two as the only options. <laughs> the, the, that's a How very dare you, sir. It's a very radio guy thing. No, I, I think, I think it's I'm true. retired. <laughs> I think I'm it's no longer a radio guy. It's true though. Like, I don't think that Nebraska has to be, you know, 2009 black shirt defense. I mean, it, they would take that, but I think just forcing a few turnovers, getting off the field, you know, with three and outs, I mean, that, that, that seems like an area where you can probably improve a little bit. I think this group, as long as they tackle well, can be somewhat um, stout against the run, d depending on the opponent. And, you know, I, I think it's just a matter like defense is such a confidence thing. And 
I, I just the first four games of the season, it just did not feel to me at all like Nebraska had any any inkling of an idea that they were going to try to force the issue and play with aggression on defense. And I, I think uh, I think you at least saw attitude wise that they were willing to do that on Saturday against Indiana, with the caveat that you know Indiana is, is Indiana, but I, I think where Nebraska's defense was 127th in the country out of 131 in total defense, you'll uh, take about any improvement that you can here. Here's something that I've been kind of mulling over the last couple of days. And I think it's, it's probably not a good thing that this was such a novel thing to me, but you saw in defense, you saw on offense that, well, you saw adjustments being made, one. I mean, that, that seems significant to me, especially at defense. But the fact that guys were being pulled at times yeah. for making mistakes, that, that should not be a novel thing. But it felt like it was like revolutionary, right, based on what we've seen the last three, four years? No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, I... I, I think both of your points, while they seem absurd in the abstract, are are relatively true. I mean, I, I felt it as well. Like Nebraska, when Indiana started showing certain looks and would get success with it, you saw Nebraska counter it a little bit more than just kind of sticking in their base defense and, and just sort of hoping that they'll play the play a little bit better um and then the the pulling of guys it, that that sort of works both ways you're never going to convince me that the Chubba Purdy thing wasn't a dumb decision when it happened um I was baffled before the third down play in which the sack fumble uh in the end zone occurred but at the same time I think it sends a message to everybody on the team that if Casey Thompson can get pulled from the nine yard line in the second quarter, you can get pulled for whatever you're doing wrong. And so I do sort of like it from that standpoint. And it was consistent. I mean, obviously, you know, if, if Turner Corcoran hadn't ejected himself from his own actions, there's a chance that he might have been pulled from Nebraska's coaching staff for his own actions. Bryce Benhart got pulled. Um, you know, various guys on defense got cycled in and out. We saw Malcolm Hartzog start a game and we saw Tommy Hill get to play quite a bit in the second half, which tells me that not only do they hold guys accountable, but they're willing to let people out of the doghouse. That was something that would happen with other coaching staffs where if there was a mistake or a bad game, you could get put in the, the doghouse and never come out again. That doesn't feel like it's a thing. So there it, I will say you can feel real differences between Mickey Joseph and Scott Frost and just coaching philosophy um, pretty significantly through just two games already. Yeah, no. It, it, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I thought too, in, in that game, I mean, as things kind of unfolded, um, it, aside from the, the, the quarterback change when it happened, it just it felt like there was, you know, even even the offensive line, um, you know, they were trying to find the right group. Obviously, Corcoran kind of forced their hand a little bit with having to change things. But, you know, I, I it's just it was it just was stark to me how in years past you probably would have continued to just roll with the same crew. And 
I think in some ways too, I mean, going forward against Rutgers, I mean, Mickey Joseph said you're going to have essentially a platoon at that right tackle spot with Hunter Anthony and Bryce Benhart. And, you know, I would expect you'll probably see Henry Lutovsky a little bit at that right guard spot too um, with, with Brock Bando. And, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we always talk about, you know, oh, you got to find your best five. Well, you know, it, it looks like Nebraska is actively searching for that. And I don't know that I would have said that in, in years past. Yeah. Well, yeah. And <laughs> I feel so damning to say out loud. Um, all right. What what else kind of stood out for you? I mean, we, we spent quite a bit of time on the defense, talked a little about the offensive line and about um, the Casey Thompson, Shubba Purdy thing. Can I can I submit this to you? Yes. Do do I owe everyone an apology for being skeptical about Trey Palmer as a number one wide receiver? Because right now, Trey Palmer looks every bit as good as a wide receiver as I've seen come through Nebraska in the last few years. I mean, obviously has the speed. I don't think that was ever in question. Um, would love to see a little bit more consistency with the hands, but he makes big plays. I mean, that one, the throw from Casey Thompson on the 71-yard touchdown was one of those very rare, like perfectly hit a guy in stride just over the outstretched arms of a defender. Looks aesthetically pleasing. Don't see it a lot at Nebraska and certainly don't see it a lot in college football. Uh, but Trey Palmer just has this knack for being in the right spot or being in the spot to make a big play against North Dakota. He had the huge catch along the sidelines that kind of allowed Nebraska to get out of field position jail and, and go and win that game. Um, you know, he put stress on Georgia Southern and on Northwestern on some of those crosses and drags. And then he hit the go route that we haven't seen. We haven't seen Nebraska run a lot with, with Trey Palmer. Um, but I, I, I gotta say, for as skeptical as I was coming into the year that Nebraska didn't have a number one wide receiver, having lost Samari Toure with eligibility and, and now on the Packers, he's been really good. And I, I feel like I owe everyone an apology. So everyone, please consider this an official Mike Schaefer apology. Yeah, well, and, and to your point, too, I mean, it's been a while since Nebraska's had a guy where you can tell a quarterback, just throw it out there and the guy will run under it. And I think that's what Palmer brings more than anything. I, I thought it was interesting the other day. Somebody asked on the board, you know, would you rather have, would you take Palmer or would you rather have Stanley Morgan? Um, mm. it, it's, it's an intriguing question. I think I would probably lean Morgan. I, I would too, but we had four years and we got to watch Morgan get better. And I mean, I can think of some spectacular catches that he's made. And so, but if, you know, we get multiple years of Trey Palmer, I mean, allow us to revisit that question in yeah. a few few games maybe yeah no I, I think what what Palmer brings is, is really that kind of number one wide receiver big play ability and I think you're starting to see as the season goes along even more comfort with Casey Thompson and I think too uh, you know part of it is, is is Nebraska's line can protect long enough I mean that, I think that play is going to continue to be there I mean he just has the ability to run by guys and, you know, you, you, you start running the ball well enough. You start setting up some play action stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's the part of Mark Whipple's offense that I think Scott Frost was really attracted to was the, the big play potential, the deep balls. And, you know, I, I had kind of assumed that, you know, Palmer could be that guy 
I was also expecting Isaiah Garcia Castaneda to to be that kind of guy too. He's been hurt, didn't didn't even suit up against. He's the new Oliver Martin. That's I know how it feels right now. Well, Oliver but look, Martin's, new Oliver Martin is old Oliver Martin. Yeah, so. he, Illinois Oliver Martin is back. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I to your point. I mean, Trey Palmer, I think, has been everything you could have hoped for. Um, you know, the the one thing I think everybody over there is kind of waiting for is that big special teams play that they yep. know is in there from him uh, in the punt game. But you know, he he's the kind of guy that offensive coordinators or, or defense coordinators are really having to plan for. And it's been a while since Nebraska's had that in, in their offense. So uh, the thing about him on special teams, I don't know that I can think of another punt returner that's been that deliberate in terms of waiting for, for guys to come to him to then he starts to pick. Uh, first of all, we haven't seen a lot of punt returns. So right. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm working on a sample size of three. Well, you're, you're kind of talking in the abstract too, because there really hasn't been many opportunities there. But you know what I'm talking about, though. There was a return yeah. on Saturday where it's like <laughs> you're just like standing there and it's like waving him in. He's like, "Come after me!" All right, mm-hmm. and then he started to pick where he was going to go with it. I thought that was kind of curious. I'm used to more of the like absolute uh, frenetic, you know, uh, personnel, Demorne personnel, where it's just like, "All right, that guy's here. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to go there." You know, it's almost ping pong ish. Yeah. Whereas Trey Palmer is just like, mm, you guys kind of pick where you're going to go and I'm going to try to find the lane. Yeah. No, there was, that was, there, that was interesting. There was one that seemed like had the potential for big play ability. And I, I think he went kind of to the right when it seemed like the return was maybe set up for him to go the other way. Yeah. But I, I think, I think he could break one of those. I mean, I, I think Nebraska is pretty confident that, that he's got it, but um, again, you know, punt returns are still a new thing over there. It feels like. <laughs> how uh, how are you feeling about Anthony Grant getting loaded up? Thirty what? Thirty one carries. Thirty thirty two. Thirty two carries. Divino Zigbo had a twenty six carry game against two thousand nineteen, or not Divino Zigbo? Excuse me. Uh, Mills had a twenty six carry game against Iowa in twenty nineteen. That's the most I can think of in the Scott Frost era for one running back. How many? Did, how many did he have in in the Rutgers game in the Champions Week? Oh, that's a that's a good one. Let me let me pull that up uh, uh, right now because it it did feel like they gave it to him a lot, but it also part of that is because he had so many yards. So it just seems like they had to feed him. Granted, this is coming off the Minnesota game where they didn't give it to him enough, and I am still baffled by that decision. So. Yeah, they, I, I'm by as you're searching. I feel fine with it. I mean, I, I think his background, and you look at like what he did at JUCO. I mean, he's he was a thirty carry a guy, thirty carry a game guy there, and you know, even the other night. I mean, he had what thirty plus carries, and you know he was the lead blocker on that that Casey Thompson uh, touchdown run, so. You know, I, I think Nebraska's and Mickey Joseph said this that they've they've been really deliberate with him and explaining why he needs to go get treatment, why he needs to take care of his body. Um, I was a little surprised they didn't go that they didn't go back to Gabe Irvin a little bit because I actually thought he ran pretty well. Yeah, I agree. In the in the very small uh, sample size, but 
I mean, w- without AJ Allen, I, I think you're going to you're. I think we may have assumed that a lot of those those Allen carries were going to go to um, Gabe Irvin, but it, it seems like maybe half of them have kind of gone to Grant. So yeah, you know, we'll I see how it goes, but um, I just think he's the kind of back that that can kind of handle that kind of a load as long as Nebraska's smart with them. Twenty five for Mills against Rutgers. Okay. So yeah, I and I don't I don't remember any Zigbo game where he would have been in the thirties, maybe in the mid twenties against like Iowa in twenty eighteen. But well, uh, I mean, you, you probably had Adrian taking a lot of those carries from him. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So I I think you'd have to go back to like Amir Abdullah for a thirty carry running back for Nebraska. I don't think Terrell Newby ever did it. I don't think uh, Amani Cross ever did it. What's, uh, uh, what about Trey Bryant? Did he have 30 in either of those two games? Ooh, that's a good one. All right, 2017 Fresno State. Is that what we're thinking? Uh, and Oregon. I feel like he went out in the Oregon game. He did. So I don't know that he would have been able to get to 30 on that one, but he had a bunch, I'm sure. Um, did these teams not actually play? In, was that a 2016 game? That was 2017. Because I'm not getting 2017. All right. This is great podcasting right here. People are screaming at their at their uh, listening devices, wondering why we're not having better content. Um, yeah, they started with Arkansas State, not Fresno State. That would be why. What do you remember about Trey Bryant? Just, just tell us about that as I look this up. <laughs> uh, he he was probably the most exciting back that uh, Nebraska's had, I would say, since Abdullah. And I would say too that it was also like the 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 knowledge that perhaps this was not going to hold up because of his knee issues that that were kind of known. So. I don't know. He was just an instinctive, instinctive guy. And I, I think he's got, he had a little bit of uh, a little bit of Anthony Grant in him too, the way that he kind of uh, was able to run in traffic. Yeah. Did you 31 carries, out? 31 carries, 192 yards against Arkansas state in 2017. Uh, Trey Bryant is one of my favorite. What ifs? Cause I, I thought Nebraska's strategy that year was going to be, use Trey Bryant to set up the rest of their passing game. And then by the third quarter of the Oregon game, which they were already down by big, um, (laughs) mostly self-inflicted, that strategy went out the window for the rest of the year. But he, he was really good. I mean, we didn't, we didn't get to see much of him, but I I wish we could have saw more because he, there was a lot of excitement from the coaching staff about Trey Bryant too. All I remember about that Oregon game, it was Bob Diaco's, uh, black shirt suit afterwards after they'd given up about 42 or th- was it 35 in the first half? Yeah, it was but, 35. Uh, it, part of, they, they only gave up 28 themselves because the first of Tanner Lee's pick sixes, I think came that's right. in that Oregon game where yep. the ball went off of Stanley Morgan's face mask. Cause he lost it in the sun. Yeah. Um, the, and then, yeah. Bob Yako's suit was the best looking part of that defense that day. I think. I remember watching that game and seeing Justin Herbert make throws and trying to tell people that he was going to be a special player. And then the sort of response was like, yeah, Nebraska's defense is just terrible. 
It turns out Justin Herbert was pretty good. Even, Both things can be true. Yeah. Well, real. I I wasn't trying to say Nebraska's defense wasn't you know struggling. It's just that this guy threw some pretty good passes. You know, they they've actually played some pretty notable quarterbacks in the last decade. I feel yes. like. For most of the time in the Big 12, it felt like they never really played anybody notable, Sam Bradford aside. But uh, weirdly, the Big 10 and, and their non-conference has presented some some real NFL guys. So that's that's your random segment about Trey Bryant and Nebraska's 2017 defense. Brunch, get us out of this. Well, Bring up something. There, there's Should we talk coaching search? There, there's... Yeah, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk coaching search eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Nebraska is no longer the only team in the Big Ten with an interim head coach. Wisconsin made the move. Paul Christ is out. Jim Leonard is in. What what were your thoughts when you saw this, Brunch? Were you surprised? Did you think, well, strategically, I see what they're doing here? Did you think, what the hell? I mean, walk us through it. Yeah, no, I, I think my first reaction was to look and see what Paul Chris' record was there because I, in my head, I was thinking like, yeah, they've they've been not good this year, but he's been pretty good, and I, yeah. I that's where I went first, and then you kind of start looking at what's out there, and you kind of have, you know, Jim Leonard's name showing up on hot boards. Um, you know, I think the the thought is is that he's going to be he was kind of the head coach and waiting more or less up there. And you also have Lance Leipold out there as a Wisconsin native who is quickly uh, becoming the, the coach du jour uh, with the way that he's handling things at Kansas. So the, the I, essentially what it feels like is that Wisconsin is giving Jim Leonard a, an extended, um, audition here to see if he can handle things, if he can turn things around. And if things go really south, then maybe you, you branch out and, and look at guys with Wisconsin ties, Leipold being one. Dave Doran um, is another one with Wisconsin ties. 
as well, having coached there. I guess if you want to, you know, consider Dave Aranda there as well, I don't think that's going to happen. But the, there's at least sitting head coach options out there that I think would make a lot of sense for Wisconsin. But you also have kind of the the big what if of, uh, you know, local boy done good who happens to be your defensive coordinator. Um, so that was that was kind of my initial thought of everything. Do you do you think it was a did, did you feel like it was knee jerky? Like it, it was it a knee jerky move on, on Wisconsin's part there? Yeah, I also feel like it puts them in a box because what happens if Jim Leonard goes like three and five, you know, or or whatever? I don't know how many games or three and four, you know. So then you're kind of in this spot where it's like, okay, we like this guy quite a bit, but now maybe we actually have to go outside and hire a head coach. Um, and then what do we do with this guy that we really like? Because he's going to go be a defensive coordinator for some for someone else. Like it's it's sort of a uh, it's just kind of an odd deal to me. Like I didn't, I don't think the timing makes any sense. I think you sort of wait until you get to November. If you suffer a loss there, that kind of takes you out of, you know, big tension. And maybe you let Jim Leonard have a smaller runway. Because I just, I, this Wisconsin seemed not good. And he's a defensive coordinator. He's not going to make Graham Mertz suddenly capable of throwing it to his own guys. They're, they have real issues of wide receiver depth and, and, explosive plays beyond Braylon Allen. I don't think this offensive line is what we've seen in the past. So, I mean, can he get, can he get them fired up to play? Sure. But does that, does that mean that he's going to have answers that Paul Chris didn't have with the offense? I'm pretty skeptical of that. Um, And their schedule isn't like brutal, but here's what they have coming up. I mean, so you, you get Northwestern, which, okay, that's kind of like Nebraska, Indiana. That should be an expected win, I would think. Uh, but they, they get Northwestern. And then, and these are both on the road. So you get Northwestern. Then you get a Michigan State team that hasn't been very good, but neither has Wisconsin. And so I don't know which of those teams would even be favored, and that's at Michigan State. So let's say that he wins both of those. Then it's Purdue. I think Purdue can handle Wisconsin right now. Maryland's been playing pretty good football. Who the hell knows what you're going to get from Iowa? Then you have Nebraska. Then you have Minnesota. So it's like, you know, there's no juggernaut on there. It's not like you have to face Ohio State because they already have, or you're playing Penn State or even Michigan. But I, I mean, I don't look for them to just rip off a bunch of wins. Like I, that's a pretty ugly team over there in Madison right now. It's, and when you compare the situations with Nebraska and Wisconsin, I mean, I, I think it's with the way that Nebraska played early in the season, I don't think that there was a ton of surprise that, that Nebraska moved on from Scott Frost. I mean, among the players, I mean, like I think the players understood that what the, the level of play that they did to the first four games was not going to fly. And that's why the decision was made. I, I think you saw a little bit on social media from Wisconsin players that were, pushing back a little bit on the idea that Paul Chris was let go. Um, I saw Braylon Allen tweeted something. And, and that's always kind of what I wonder about when you see these like mid-season, mid-season coaching changes is I think, you know, some in some situations where people can probably agree that a change needed to be made, I think there's an opportunity to kind of rally the troops a little bit and get everybody, you know, 
maybe pulling in a better direction. I always get a little skeptical whenever you see something like this where, yeah, I mean, I, you could have made a change. Did you need to make a change? I think that's a little bit of a harder situation to walk into too, in addition to what you just kind of laid out with, you know, Wisconsin's issues right now. Yeah. I, uh, and it's not even like the defense has played well. I mean, they got torched by Ohio State. They couldn't stop anything. I understand that Mertz puts puts you in a bad position a couple times a game, but um, it's just a weird. They they I didn't feel like they were very good coming into the year, uh, and so maybe that's the most damning thing about Paul Christ is that he wasn't able to build off of the success that they had. But I, I wrote about this on Monday in the morning mash, and I'm curious your thoughts on it, but don't you feel there's some similarity to 2014 Nebraska with a program that feels like they've kind of hit the the ceiling with their head coach and a fan base that sort of has turned apathetic to what the team is. So they, they feel like they need a spark, but the problem is if you choose the wrong coach, you're really going to set yourself back. And, and I, I don't, I don't think Nebraska made the wrong move in moving on from Bo Pelini. They didn't hire a coach that gave them the opportunity to move forward. I don't know that Wisconsin made the wrong move moving on from Paul Christ, but I don't think it's such a simple hire here. Like I, you know, I, let's say they get Lance Leipold and he's having a great run at Kansas. That doesn't guarantee that he like, Nothing about Lance Leipold or his background makes me think that he's going to be better than Paul Christ. You know, like there's yeah. there's very little room for upside there. Like I, that's that's kind of the concern when you fire a coach that's been to the Rose Bowl, that's that's had the success that Paul. Like they were, they were right there to be in the college football playoff. That's something Nebraska couldn't say under under Bo Pelini. I mean, I, I see that you're smirking. But they were undefeated in a in a Big Ten championship game in a game they lost by three. So it's not like they got their ass kicked as they have previously. Um, so it's a like you got to get this higher right, or you're basically just recycling Paul Christ again. Yeah, no, I I was just I was laughing because I I never thought I would see the day where you're making the case for Paul Christ, but here we are. Well, no, uh, I, it's it's a weird deal because I <laughs> I understand why they made that move, but it's like. I don't think that – I think Lance Leipold makes sense if you need someone to get you out of the depths of hell. But we're putting a ton of stock into five games against teams that haven't been particularly good. That win against Houston doesn't look that great right now. West Virginia isn't very good. I understand that you're talking about Kansas, but it's just like I, the, the Lance Leipold thing has just like exploded both here and then it's, you know – you fire Paul Chris to hire a guy who's recruiting classes in the hundreds at Buffalo and in the seventies at Kansas. Like you're putting a ton of stock in his Wisconsin whitewater days and it's D three unscholarship football. Like I don't get it. It it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. No, to, to go back to your, your original point, you're right. Like this, I think any time that you move on from a coach that's won as much as Paul Christ has and I mean, Frank Solich was kind of in a similar boat, uh, just wins-wise. Same with Bo Pelini. I mean, you you absolutely have to nail that next hire. And 
maybe it helps a little bit if if they're saying, okay, we're going to give Jim Leonard a, you know, essentially an, an audition because I don't think he would move things dramatically different from what it's been. Because I think that's where you get into trouble is if you're like an eight nine win program, and your thought is, is okay, we can do better than this but we're going to go in a completely different direction. I think that's, that's almost like a recipe for a step back yeah. because it's not going to be just a turnkey situation and, and keep winning. I mean, it, I, I think it kind of has to almost be similar stylistically um, to, to allow things to kind of keep going there. I mean, I, I don't know that there's a recipe out there for Wisconsin that's markedly different from what they've been doing. Like, right. I, I think that's, that's the thing that stands out to me most. What I'm I, curious, go ahead. I was just going to say, I also will push back heavily that this is some like tremendous job opportunity either. I mean, your, your facilities aren't good. The support there is pretty, you know, up and down. Um, you don't have a fan base for half the game. Most of the time uh, you, you don't have like this big NIL backing. You're not the most popular. Like, so it's just, uh, it, you look at these places, you know, Georgia Tech, Arizona State, Wisconsin, Colorado, they're all pretty similar in the idea to me that they sort of lack the one thing that Nebraska has in spades, and that's fan support and consistent fan support. And then on top of it, the donor base and the money and all of that. So, um, I, again, Wisconsin's a better job than all of those. I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's just tremendous job though. Your recruiting base isn't tremendous and it's, it's a quietly difficult school to get into. So you, you can't just, you know, fill up on, on quick hitters of guys who are struggling academically either. Like it's a, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Whoever gets that job. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the question as it relates to us, I guess, is how do you see that affecting Nebraska's search? Well, I think Lance Leipold would take Wisconsin over Nebraska, and I, I think it understand why. I mean, he's spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. I think he's a stronger connection there than he does with Nebraska. Um, and I think they would look at similar coaching candidates. Uh, the one that would be interesting, too, I mean, we've talked about Matt Campbell um, in Lincoln a lot, but I could see where that could be a lure to him. Madison um, would be a bigger version of Ames. Uh and you you have a platform of being back in the Big Ten, which I think he would sort of like. Uh, so those those names look really interesting. Jim Leonard again, like I, I, what do you think he has to do to get that job? So I read off that schedule. I mean, do you think he has to go five and two? Yeah, I mean, because that puts you at seven and five. Yeah, I think that's. I, I think you got to, and it's it's got to look right too. I mean, you need to be playing better football. Um, but like you said, I mean, the the offensive limitations, I don't know what you can necessarily do there unless you just, you know, blow things up a little bit and, and, and change course, you know, quarterback or whatever. But I, I think four and three, I mean, I it, it feels like to me that they're going to give him every opportunity to to basically win that job. And you know, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, if you go, you win two games or three games in that schedule, I don't know that there's, you know, the, they're probably not going to be holding a, a ticker tape parade in Madison. Um, to, if he gets that job after that kind of a season. So I guess that's one advantage to having, you know, guys with perceived Wisconsin, uh, 
roots and, and affinity there if it doesn't work out. But I mean, that's even more uncomfortable too, where, you know, you felt like for years you had this guy that was the coach in waiting. And then all of a sudden he's not the guy based on yeah. six games. So six, seven games. Yeah. Well, we'll certainly be watching that one closely and Wisconsin comes to Nebraska on November 19th for the interim coach battle that no one would have expected before the year. But uh, this is what, this is what we have now. Mickey Joseph versus Jim Leonard. Get your tickets now. I think there's still a few available. Trev Alberts would especially like you to get your tickets. Uh, anything else we want to hit on coaching search-wise? There was, there was some Hunger Game matchups. Uh, you had Matt Campbell, Lance Leipold. Um, it's hard for me to take much away from a game in which Iowa State lost by three and they missed three field goals. Um, but obviously, I think both of those coaches are going to be in the mix here. Um Dave Doran could not accomplish the big win against Clemson. Uh, his NC State team, which ticketed for another nine and three season, uh, which is not bad. I mean, that is a for NC State. That's a that's a great year. He built a nice program there. Uh, I don't I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's in a pretty solid spot for what he does, and I, I don't see either Nebraska or Wisconsin having to hire him, I guess is how I would phrase that. So uh, what else have you noticed coaching? Like Matt Rule looks like he's on the, the edge of the plank and about to be pushed into the uh, into the ocean as the first NFL coach fired. Um, anything else stand out for you so far? Yeah, no, if you believe anonymous Twitter accounts, Matt Rule um, very much has lost the locker room and uh, that's never a good sign. So he lost it last year. Like, yeah. Was, I don't know if he ever like got it back. Last year. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the way to phrase it. Uh, you may never have had the locker room. Yeah. Um, no, I think the way if, it was reported. If that happens, I think that changes the search quite a bit, right? I mean, like that's that's a big name. Yeah. That, well, that's one both of those schools. I mean, both Wisconsin and Nebraska, I think, would be wise to to reach out there. Yeah. So that's one to watch. Um, you know, Kansas they're they're ranked now yeah they, they've got just an absolute brutal next three four games coming up um we'll see how they kind of handle expectation now and college game day and all that other stuff but you know you've got oklahoma state on the schedule tcu i think oklahoma's in that that stretch of games too right yeah i think so um so whatever we'll, they are right now yeah I, I don't know what they are they're hurting um but i think We'll see, I think, truly how how much of a magic carpet ride this this Kansas season is the next yeah. few weeks here. And I know I, I obviously did not sound like I was speaking very highly of Lance Leipold. I, I am very impressed by what he's done there. I just – I have real reservation of hiring a guy because he had one really good season. Uh, Why, Mike? At, Why? At a program. I, I don't know, Michael. <laughs> I am not sure that there is evidence that I could point to that might show that because one really good season in your second year with a program may not necessarily mean as much as it does in the moment. Um, you know, so that's, there's some, some hesitation. I also, I, I just go back to this, like all of his success is at a level that is not remotely comparable to, to Nebraska. I mean, um, so, or to even D one football, even Kansas. So it's a, it's hard for me. To, to get fully behind that. And just to show that I'm consistent, I don't think that Nebraska should make any phone calls to Deion Sanders either because they beat up on a bunch of very bad teams every year. They don't get into the FCS playoffs 
and then they never get exposed as being particularly, uh, you know, not that good of a football team. So no Deion Sanders either. He's off my list. He's going to Georgia Tech anyway, so no worries there. I don't. Do we really think he would go to Georgia Tech? Deion Sanders in Atlanta, I'd be. I would at least watch. I'd be curious to see how that oh, played out. I would be very interested, and I'm sure he would clean up on the local recruiting and all of that. I don't know, like Georgia Tech sort of doesn't seem like it fits Deion Sanders. Auburn, Auburn fits Deion Sanders, but I don't know. Georgia Tech just seems like a like a sleepy place where they also play football while boasting of a top engineering school. Like that's that's sort of how I view Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a school to me. Like, you were running through the jobs now. That 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 at least is an intriguing job to me for the right guy. And, I, and they've, we've probably said that every Rank time. Rank them. Rank the jobs. jobs. Rank them. Um, Worst to first. So and yeah. the only ones you got to do are Colorado, Arizona State, Georgia Tech, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Uh, I, I would think that Colorado would be last. I would put... Arizona State ahead of them. Ooh. I would put Georgia Tech ahead of Arizona State. That was really the one that I was curious about. How I would rank those two? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's where I would go. And it and then I would uh I think Nebraska is a slightly better job than Wisconsin, um, just based on more so on facilities and support. And I, I do think I do think having somebody like Trev Alberts on the AD chair, I think that matters. Auburn go right to the top when they fire Brian Harrison after this weekend. Uh, yes, I would say that would that would be the uh, the the best job right that right now. In no small part because it definitely has the most cohesive backing, and there certainly isn't a weird <laughs> underpinning of people trying to get you fired the day do they have you get do they have an ad yet is there an ad there i think it's just a collective of people that get together and meet in auburn and uh you know that i would be i would be a little scared of taking that job if only because of the people involved in it are potentially insane but you can win big there in a way that you probably cannot everywhere else so um it's like a toned down texas a&m there like a, that's the kind of how i look at it <laughs> Oh man, uh, is Jimbo Fisher gonna get fired? I don't know. It sounds like it. I mean, if your Jimbo Fisher doesn't matter, six million dollars. <laughs> well, no, it doesn't. I don't. Jimbo Fisher is gonna get fired and take the Kansas job and make like two hundred thousand dollars a year just to watch Texas A and M have to pay out his ninety-six million dollars. That's that's all right. He'll, he'll maybe go coach in the whatever the USFL or XFL or. Go coach for like the Philadelphia Hot Shots or something. Yeah, I want to see a coach who a particularly big buyout. Just like I'm going to go to the Sun Belt. They like football down there. It doesn't. Uh, I probably don't have to burn it on both ends as much. I'm just going to go to the Sun Belt. Maybe that's what. Maybe Clay Helton. Clay Helton did that. Maybe he's going to start a trend. Fired coaches go to the Sun Belt. Just I I I I, I personally <laughs> here's what I would do. Since we're going hypotheticals here, I, I would I would try like hell to get the Appalachian State job and yeah. just go live in Boone, North Carolina. It looks and just, amazing. And just run that conference. It looks amazing. It uh incredibly photogenic stadium and city. 
Um, all right. So Michael Brunts is campaigning for the Appalachian State job. That one's new. He doesn't want Coastal Carolina. So Jamie Chadwell, you're fine. Yep. You don't have no, to leave. No hot seat there. But App State, I would You be, don't want uh, to go to UL Monroe? No. How many Sunbelt teams can you name? Uh, not very many. Is uh, Southern Miss, are they in the Sunbelt now? I don't think so. But let me let me pull it up so that way we don't have any any issues here. This and is, you're going to name is, all the Sunbelt Conference teams. This is this is terrible. Um, podcast. I used to do this to Happer all the time, but um, all right, they have two divisions. So Southern Miss is a Sunbelt team. I apologize. I didn't realize um, that that had happened as early as it did. There's probably a directional Tennessee school in there somewhere, right? Um. No, because I think they left the Sun Belt. See, this is where I'm going to struggle. South Alabama, are they in the Sun Belt? South Alabama is winning the West Division right now. They're 4-1, and 1-0. Marshall? Marshall is a Sun Belt team. Both, both Georgia State and Georgia Southern. They're both in. You already have App State and Coastal Carolina and Southern Myths. Is, uh, is Old Dominion, are they Sun Belt? They are, and as a clue, there's another Virginia team that is just transferred up to the Sun Belt. Liberty? Not Liberty. Liberty is, are they independent? Or AAC or something? Is it J- James Madison? James Madison is 4-0 and 2-0 in conference. Wow. James Madison's that- a really good FCS school that's now going to be a pretty good FBS school. Arkansas State. Yep. Uh, there's two Texas schools in Louisiana. Monroe and Lafayette. Yep. Okay. Is there a Texas school? Is Texas State? Are the Bobcats yep. in there? You only have one school left. And Nebraska's played them like 14 times. Uh, Troy. Troy. There you go. And I'm pretty sure Troy plays in Family Dollar Stadium. In Troy, Alabama. So that's impressive. Or fa- is it Family Dollar or Dollar Video or something like that? <laughs> dollar they a, Video. They had a they had a very like it was like 2014, <laughs> and I think they had a video store sponsoring their stadium. And I thought to myself, I don't think this is going to last very long. So yeah, you know, you got a bunch. You got a bunch of they're they're just making money by people buying old copies of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. All right. Uh, anything you want to say before we? No, so, please. You know, we got to end, end this. this. All right, please end it. That was our uh, that was our Tuesday Husker twenty four seven podcast featuring Trey Bryant naming of Sun Belt teams, uh, Lance Leipold replacing Paul Christ, and a little Nebraska talk on the side. Thank you for listening. No, seriously, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll have a Husker hype cast. This week as well. Nebraska plays on Friday. Don't forget, you know, just in case you weren't thinking, they play at 6 o'clock on Friday. Brunts will be there. We'll have more on the game in the Hypecast, and we'll catch you next time. Be sure to check out everything at Husker247.com.